Hi, I'm John Smith. Welcome to Kingdom Real. And today I have a very special guest, good friend of mine, Andrew Hamlet. How's it going? Fantastic. So glad you're here with us. And why don't we get started by having you share a little bit of what you learned from your family of origin. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, my family of origin uh, comes from a long line of pastors and prodigals, which is really kind of funny. Um, <laughs> a good combination. My great-grandfather was a hellfire and brimstone preacher in the 30s. Uh, he was the first person to have a daily broadcast on the radio, so kind of entrepreneurs as well and, and spreading the gospel. Um, but the thing I learned most from that is that um, the gospel is for everybody. And it didn't matter to my grandpa that he was walking up to a bunch of hell's angels in his sandals and socks. He was going to preach Jesus. Um, and I think that from the time I was little, it was about reaching people for Jesus and doing whatever it took mm -hmm. to make sure people had access to God. Wow, that's great. So if you were to think about some of your memories from childhood, what would be... One that just sticks in your mind is, wow, that's just maybe not the favorite, but what don't you really like? Um, you know, sports were always a favorite memory of mine. And uh, I think, you know, when I was a little kid in Manistee, Michigan, I was part of a baseball team that didn't lose for like four years. Wow. And so um, my favorite memory is actually not all the wins that we had because those kind of ran together, but it was the first loss that we had. And I didn't know what to do. I had been on this T-ball team and we had gone into like, you know, the parents pitching yeah. and we had won every game, destroyed people. And here we are sitting and we lost by one run and the entire dugout is quiet. It's like the first time that any of these kids have understand what it means to lose. And I remember my dad taking and doing the same routine as if we had won. We went to Dairy Queen. We got a... Um, a half and half cone. And he said, look, life is not about winning and losing. Um, the why is never going to satisfy you. Mm. Never. The who will. So it's not necessarily why you're going through something, but who's with you while you're going through it is the most important thing. And I was probably seven or eight at the time. Okay. And I didn't understand the gravity of that. But as I got into later years of my life, hmm. that really made a whole lot of sense. I rarely got satisfaction from the why. And I think that's what we search for a lot in life. Sure. Why did this happen? Mm -hmm. What did I do? You know, how did this happen? And the question we should be asking is who, who's still with us, mm -hmm. who has us, who still cares about us? Who loves us? Right. And those are the things that really satisfy in those moments that everything else just kind of falls short. That was a pretty good life lesson at a young age. Yeah. That stayed with you. Wow. Well, building on that really positive thing, even out of losing, if you were to look back at your life and identify maybe one of your darkest, most difficult most painful experiences in life. What what comes to mind for you? Wow, gotta dig. And through you, the, you can do more than one if you want. You gotta so. dig through the closet <laughs> here on this one. Oh, skeletons! Hold on, I gotta go grab those. Um, 
Wow. Uh, okay, so one that I don't remember a ton, but I do remember I was five, and it was probably the first time I could remember like a house or any of that kind of stuff. And I remember that my mom was pregnant. <laughs> and when she came home, there was no baby. Mm. And I had to ask dad, you know, where's, where's my little sister? Cause I had gone through it once. My brother was born. He came home and I was like, is she still at the hospital? What's going on? And she had, uh, wrapped the cord, uh, in a knot and had passed away, uh, before they could get to her. Mm. Um, and I often think about what she'd look like, how old she'd be. Mm. You know, I'm 42. She'd be 37. She'd probably have a family. Um, and to think, you know, my parents had to go through that mm. and, and live through that and, and how much it impacted me. And I really didn't, wasn't really sad about it. And when I, when I asked dad what happened at the time I was five, I said, well, we can have another one. <laughs> and my dad said, well, we'll, we'll think about it. You know, we, you know, we don't know if that's what we want to do. Um, but later on, after living life and having siblings, I really mourn mm. the loss. Yeah. Um, uh, even to the point where if my wife and I had a baby girl, we had a name and it was Eden Aubrey and her name was Aubrey. Uh. Um, and so um, if we adopt a little girl, maybe even have a grandkid. That's so hard to think about right now, <laughs> but maybe that would be a name. But yeah, I didn't really mourn that loss until later on in life when mm. I kind of knew what I was missing. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Sounds like you were sorting through several options. Do you want to share another one? Or um, You know, the other one that was really tough was a time um, more of an internal uh, struggle. Um, I was probably 16 or 17 years old, and we had moved a lot. Um, From the time I was 11 to the time I was 16, it was three different cities, uh, four different schools. Um, And so as a teenager, I mean, those were my junior high years Mm -hmm. from like 12 to 16. Um, And I remember um, just feeling like, what's the point? I sin, I mess up. Why do I keep trying? Mm. And I got so angry one morning, my parents were gone and, um, there were some old box springs from my brother's old bed. And I just started punching the lights out of them to the point where I still have scars on my knuckles from how hard I hit that. And I remember I just exhausting myself and going to sleep. And then the next day I woke up and I, did the thing that you think is kind of crazy. You flip open your Bible and there was, uh, his mercies are new every morning. And I realized that none of my sin, none of the things that I was messing up on were a surprise to God. When God called me, he knew the entire layout of my life. He knew the times I would fall, the times I would succeed. And just like when I lost, when I was a kid, he was still there. You know, it didn't. It didn't matter to my dad. the The part of it, we didn't go to have ice cream so, to celebrate a win. Yeah, we went to have ice cream to be together. 
And I think the same thing is true with, with Christ. I, I, it's not a win or lose scenario. Mm-hmm. It's obviously much better if you don't sin. Yeah. Le- much less consequences, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But how my father treats me doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was a very important um, important lesson for me. Yeah. So those words were from the prophet Jeremiah. Do you connect with his life in any other ways? <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot. Um, I, I really do feel like the, the prophet Jeremiah is misunderstood. I feel like he had a mission to um, display God's character and God's plans, and no one listened to him. Mm. And I think that that's probably why I identify with the fact that the why never satisfies me. Okay. You know, uh, it's great if somebody listens to me, but the obedience part of it is more important. Mm. Doing what God has asked you and called you to do, because that's what he's going to hold you accountable to. Right. He's not going to say, hey, look, 40,000 people listen to you. That's exactly what I wanted you to do. No. Uh, I want you to go and, and preach the good news. And sometimes you'll get those really cool moments where people are like, yes. But my experience more often than not is when people, are, they'll misconstrue it. They won't like it. Um, sometimes. It <laughs> yeah, throw you in a pit. We'll see. Uh, take your Sister, coat of many yeah. colors, you know, throw you uh, in a lion's den, uh, you know, throw you out on Facebook, which is just the modern day social coliseum, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. We just throw people out there and watch lions tear them apart. And we cheer until it's us. Um, and so I, yeah, that those were some, some powerful things. I, th- I think the death of my brother was probably the hardest. It was the first close death other than my grandfather. My grandfather mm. wasn't old, but you expect your grandfather to go before you. Okay. And even with all my brother's ailments and things that he had going on, it was still, it just, there was something cosmically not right with your older brother, Hmm. you know, just, it was only three years older, just passing away. And I remember feeling grief for the first time as an adult. Hmm. Um, And I just didn't feel like doing anything. It was my senior year of high school. And, you know, I didn't care what grade I got in theology. I cared, didn't care at all. It was so hard for me to finish my finals and my classes. Um, because at that point I was just like, Hey, my brother's gone and all of you are going on with life. You don't seem to care. Hmm. Um, and, uh, it, to me, grief was very much like a fog and still is to this day. There are just mornings that it rolls in mm-hmm. and, um, and you don't feel like you see things as clear as you did. Okay. And when it rolls, back away it's just kind of a haunting reminder of what's not there mm-hmm. life is pretty fragile a vapor yeah wow well thank you for sharing that boy as you think about some of those situations how does that impact you on an ongoing way i mean as you live your life now and you think back of these childhood experiences how, well how does that impact you like um, today and yesterday and tomorrow? I think, first of all, empathy. I mean, I think it's something that we don't have a lot uh, for each other mm. with. I mean, we have a lot of pity. We'll take pity on someone, and, and, and there's a big difference. Pity is just like, oh, look how poor they are. Look how uh, broken that situation is. Oh, I, I, I feel so bad for them. And it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. 
Um, you're not really putting yourself in that situation. You're mm-hmm. not identifying on any uh, emotional or personal level. Um, and to allow myself to feel grief and to feel broken and to understand that that is what this world does. Um, and sometimes it's not going to go together. The silverware is not going to match. Things are going to be broken and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, when I wake up in that day and I feel like all the stuff is closing in on me and man, man, this should be this way. And, and instead of hearing, you know, God condemning me for not getting it that way, he goes, I know it hurts me too. Mm-hmm. It should be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that definitely affects me. Um, and I just want people to know that God hasn't forgotten about them. Mm. I think it's easy to look at all the stuff that's happening. Take the pandemic, take all the political situations, Ukraine, all of these things. And it's easy to be like, well, God's just too caught up in all of that. Why does he care about this? And I've started to realize that pain's pain. Why it happened again doesn't really matter it hurts Mm -hmm. and sometimes people are reacting out of their pain not out of their experience Mm. and so you can tell that it's when their actions bigger than what it should be or they respond to you're like whoa i just asked for the coffee i didn't mean to have my head cut off Mm -hmm. and so what i've kind of started to see is those are my opportunities to ask a second question instead of getting frustrated with them and upset going hey what's going on are you are you okay and like really wanting to hear the answer. And so I think those experiences have helped, um, with that, um, aspect of it. Um, one of my things is this, that the most perfect that we can get here on earth Mm -hmm. is understanding that we are imperfect and God is our first stop to fix it. Mm -hmm. Jesus is our only answer to that. Um, James says, you know, Count it all joy, my brother, when you face trials of many kind, because mm-hmm. it produces perseverance. Perseverance produces a good work, and you are perfect, lacking nothing. And I used to be like, how sick is that? You know, James, <laughs> there's no one perfect except Jesus. Yep. But I got what he was saying, because later on the verse says, if you lack something, mm-hmm. ask. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. He's saying, get to the point where you already realize you lack. That even in your most perfect moment, mm-hmm. you throw that touchdown pass in high school or you do that perfect thing that it, just like Paul, it's rubbish compared to the perfection of Christ. It's broken still. Mm. I mean, even if we have what we would consider a perfectly normal day here, mm-hmm. it's yeah. the darkest day that Eden has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that that's hard to imagine because we think of supernatural things as beyond this. And I think this experience is supernatural. And the actual natural experience is to live forever. The natural experience is to walk with God. And so um, I kind of flipped that on its head to be like, this is broken. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of those experiences that kind of, now I think about it, um, we had to talk at Granville High School when a, a student uh, took his own life in the parking lot. Mm. And it was me and the head of... Uh, the youth department of the college I went to and we get there and we weren't planning on talking about that. We were just going to do a general assembly. 
and we get there and they lay this news on us and we're there before anybody can even respond. And so we're sitting in a room right before the locker room to talk. They want us to talk to the football players. And here's a man I admire, you know, the, the head of, he looks at me and goes, what do we say? What are we going to say to them that could possibly mean anything? And I was like, you know what? In this moment, I hate death. This is wrong. There's nothing right about this. And so I think that it's kind of given me that empathy Mm. to be able to come alongside of somebody and not say what they should have done, not say um, it would have been better if you did this. It would have, you know, you made these choices and now you're here. They're already there. You can't go back on those choices. You can't recoup that. But what you can do is identify with the pain that's there. Mm -hmm. This is wrong. This is broken. The circumstances that led to this aren't right. And we may not be able to fix them, but I do know a way to heal from them. Hmm. Wow. Sounds like God had you at the right place at the right time. I don't know. I was, I was mainly out of, you know, just sheer frustration that somebody lost their life. But yeah. I'm pretty much God's spirit, I guess. Yeah. Sounds very real. Wow. So as you journey through life, what are some ways that you've experienced God coming alongside you? Oh, wow. Um, when I was 16, I was in a rollover car accident. And we were doing some research about that uh, this last year. Um, and uh, we were trying to find pictures of a vehicle that looked similar. Mm. And every time I came across every one of those pictures, somebody, if not everybody, had died in that accident and the accidents were very similar. And so we, you know, my parents always said it, but now, you know, again, that age gives me that kind of perspective. Um, I realized that we were very fortunate, very blessed. Uh, It was an act of God that we walked away from that. Mm. Um, I've never seen my grandpa cry, but twice. And that was one of the times I saw him cry when he saw the vehicle and he, and he hadn't noticed that anybody was, um, he didn't know if anybody was okay. And he's like, okay, Bob, you can tell me now if, if somebody died hmm. and nobody did. And when we, we landed in the left lane of oncoming traffic on a highway. And when we hit both the axles broke and my dad turned the wheel, but none of that would have worked. Hmm. So something wow. had to push us into the median out of the way of that semi truck. And, uh, so that was definitely a place where I saw God, um, hmm. Also around that time, I saw God in a, a youth group kind of revival. We had a great youth group uh, that reached out to our high school. And uh, I saw many of my friends who didn't go to church, who didn't know anything about church except Christ, mm. and to this day are serving God. And that was wow. really cool to watch. Uh, now, um, I'm part of a church uh, that is made up of uh, former drug addicts and alcoholics. And uh, we do celebrate recovery. And uh, I say I'm a sin addict. It doesn't matter, you know, what I'm addicted to as long as, you know, I understand that God is the thing I should be addicted to over those mm-hmm. other things. And uh, we just baptized six people wow. on uh, Easter Sunday. Awesome. And that's just awesome. People who had uh, never darkened the doors of the church before, mm-hmm. um, w- willing and ready to 
to uh, follow Christ. And so that's really cool because in the area it's at, it's a big drug corridor. So to see those people changing their lives and turning around, that's taking some territory in some dark places. Um, And so that's awesome to watch God. And uh, just with my family, Um, just watching my kids grow up and the things that they say and and that they're picking up on things of God and and wanting to be, um, you know, involved in that is amazing to me. That's awesome. So if you were to think about what breathes life into you, what gives you reason and purpose in life, what what makes you come fully alive? What what would that be for you? Storytelling. Uh, it's easy. I love to tell stories and I love to see the impact that it has on people's lives. I, uh, I came up with this a while back and I, I think it's so true. Uh, you can't be afraid to tell your story. You never know when your story is the missing part of someone else's. Mm. And that's been true for me. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't put words to whatever I was feeling or felt like I was stuck somewhere. And somebody shares a story and it's a bridge. It's, it's, it's the words that I didn't have uh, in a song or in a piece of art or, you know, a film especially. And, and I'm like, oh, that's it. That's what I was, I, I couldn't describe it, and, and, and there it is. So um, that gets me excited. If, if I start talking about stories, and especially the stories that I have in my head, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be hard to get me to shut up. <laughs> so, so in your, sounds like your favorite medium and the expression you got most lit up about was in film. Uh, film, yep. Film and music are probably... Film and music. Right? Yeah, film and then music is a close second, and... They go together anyways. You can't really have a good film without the music. Into yeah, the film. yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. so, um, yeah. And you put it into a music video. I really like that. So, okay, cool. Well, that's really great. Um, if you could film anything you wanted to, mm-hmm. to make a, uh, an impact video that would, or film that would impact the world. What are your ideas? You know, that's well, a good question. Certain, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a lot. Uh, who's the audience? Uh, how long do you want to be? No, I think for me, okay, I'll give you an audience. Um, how about Uganda? Uganda. Ooh. Or you don't have one for that. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> I, you, you told me the audience. You know, I, I think honestly it would be the 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 novel idea I came up with, Star Breather, which is kind of a mix, mix of uh, uh, the Matrix and Avatar. Tell me about that. So it's a story basically that tells the story of Lucifer, and so I was all, I've always been fascinated, not necessarily with the devil, but what would make somebody who had so much who was basically second to the god head give all that up and it's like the story about how enticing sin can be i think even more enticing than the garden of eden you know because he it says he was beautiful it says you know he had power and hmm. authority and most likely the worship leader in heaven and what would cause him to fall? So uh, in the story, because he's the worship leader, during that time, he gets a little omniscient bleed, I call it. Mm. And so he's able to see some things in the future 
and okay. see that angels will become demons. And he mm. sets out to figure out why that is and to stop it. And he has no idea that he is actually the catalyst for all of it. And in his search for that, he walks away from God. He starts to try to do things on his own. Um, and then it's a pretty similar tale to most other tales. At that point, he believes he's doing something righteous, only to find out he's the cause of the whole thing. Wow. Wow. That sounds good. What do you need to make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I just need 500,000. No, five. 500 million people to give me a dollar. Oh, there you go. <laughs> not not hard at all. Okay. All so right. We'll see who signs or, up. <laughs> I, I doubt anyone. Like, go right now to, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'm writing a book right now on that. Hopefully I'll build an audience from there and then convince somebody who has much deeper pockets than I do that there is some money to be made as well as lives to be changed. It should be a trilogy and it will go all the way to the second coming of Christ. Wow. But um, it it doesn't have those names. They're all different. So sure. um, if you have a Christian background, you'll see it and you'll get the depth. If you don't, you might think it's a vampire origin novel. There you go. There you go. Wow, sounds great. I look forward to reading it <laughs> and then watching it on the big screen. Oh, I hope that would be uh, that would be excellent. Yeah, that's great. So if you were to, out of your life journey, out of your faith, out of your relationship with God. Um, what kind of message of hope would you want to just kind of summarize and bring to the world as we draw this to a close? You know, that's a good question. I've been thinking about it since I read it. Um, I think it would be this, that we're not supposed to live a life without fear or doubt or anger or frustration. The question is what you do with it. Mm. So for me, it's been Christ. When I'm angry, frustrated, upset, have doubt, I take it to him and to the foot of the cross. And that has made all the difference in the world. Mm. And I think that that's the difference between a victim, a villain, and a hero. A victim identifies with their trauma so much so that they believe that's the only thing that can happen to them. That's who they are. A villain takes that trauma and then decides to hurt other people and control them to keep them from being hurt themselves. Mm. And a hero takes that very same trauma and brokenness and decides to keep other people from being hurt. Wow. Wow. That's good. So somebody's out there and faith just has escaped them so far. And they find themselves in a pretty hopeless situation. Um, you've had a long life. You come from a long line of pastors, deep faith for a long time. How about for that person that just doesn't get it yet? What would you say to them? Don't give up. Don't stop looking. It, it, um, God's timing is perfect. There's been things I thought should happen earlier or faster or I didn't understand. Hmm. Um, but Satan doesn't win when he when he gets you to sin. He wins when he gets you to give up and believe there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And I'd say don't give up. Keep trying and eventually that'll soak into your soul. It'll eventually soak into your heart. And you'll start to heal and you'll wonder why you waited so long. Mm-hmm. 
Boy, that's good. That's good. So, there is hope. Yes. Always. Hope lives. It does. And so does Jesus. Yes. Well, it only lives because of Jesus. That's right. Good clarification. <laughs> yep. He's our source of hope. That's yes. where it comes from. And um, good. Well, thank you. No problem. Appreciate you sharing. It was a good talk. Appreciate your story. And um, I'll just pray that God opens all kinds of doors for your storytelling through film. Uh, I pray, pray that God's story or our stories glorify God. Yes. And hopefully some of that will happen through Kingdom Real. Right. Amen. Amen. Sounds good. Well, I'm John Smith. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Kingdom Real. 